Shane back there. We um, went to Brazil together. Had an awesome time. So good to have you, brother. Dorothy had called him and told him we was going to be here, and so thank you for coming. And is this your special friend or cousin? Okay. Get to meet you. <laughs> Still a special friend. Your cousins can be friends. Good, good to have you. Glad to see you, Shane. We had a great time in Brazil. We went down with the CB school out of CBC schools with Caris Bible College schools out of uh, Oklahoma City, Houston, and uh, Dallas. And we were down there. And just it was great, great ministry. And uh, yeah, uh, Dorothy and I will be married 49 years in a few weeks. And uh, just uh, June 2nd, been in the ministry 45 years. And, and you know, I just want to tell you, I love Jesus more now than I've ever loved him. You know, the whole, um, if you want to know what it is to be spiritually strong, just stay in love with Jesus and stay in love with people. If you love Jesus and love people, you're going to be all right. Because everything outside of love is not God. And uh, so self, our old self man always is outside of God. That's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to crucify him so that the new man could live. And um, we've been, uh, Will and I, uh, for a few years now, you know, I've known Will, and, and um, we actually last year brought Will and Tavana up, and we were, we were considering a, an associate pastor. And uh, it just, you know, we love Will and Tavana, but it just, it's like we just couldn't make it fit you know we wanted it and, and they were ready and and uh but the reason it didn't fit is because of this right here god wanted to do a work here and uh so you know i've been meditating on this and and uh i just want to talk to you about a foundation because every building built starts with a foundation and the building is only as good as the foundation and uh, you can't these big old skyscrapers, you know, they, those things go down way, way down deep before they ever start building up with those things. And uh, so every building has to have a foundation, and but the foundation has to be strong. And so I, I just want to share tonight how you, no matter how small you are, it doesn't matter. Dorothy and I started in a, uh, the church we have now, we started in a Bible study in a home with probably about this many people. And uh, we met for about six months in a Bible study, and then we established a church in 1990 or 91, somewhere around then. And, and now we have uh, five churches, uh, Dorothy and I with the Shepherd's House, and then our son-in-law and daughter, who uh, were our youth pastors for 10 years, um, they were, they, we put, sent them out to Crandall, and they have a church out there that they're pastoring. And we have... Two Hispanic churches and an Arabic-speaking church. That's uh, two of them meet on campus with us, and, and another one meets uh, in Plano. But every quarter, we have four of the churches get together: uh, River of Life, which is the Arabic-speaking church, and two Hispanic church, uh, Gracias Favorador and uh, La Casa del Pastor. Got it. And we've had last time we met, we had 22 nations represented. Because a lot of the people in the Arabic-speaking church are from Iraq, Iran, Lebanon, Greece. Uh, gosh, I don't know where are that. We have people from them. Some of them were Guatemala, Mexico, uh, all over the 
Bolivia and El Salvador and just, I mean, you know, just on and on. And so it's an amazing combination when we all get together. And uh, we spoke at the Arabic-speaking church two weeks ago, I guess, on Saturday night or three. And, of course, you know, it was all interpreted back into to Arabic. But it was amazing the testimonies of the ones that come from Iraq, especially how, um, you know, there would just be times and the Suites and some of those really would go in there and and in some churches just kill everybody in the church. That's incredible. Just so they finally had to flee out of there and now they're in the States, the whole family. So amazing stories that, you know, we we here in America... um, you know, we think sometimes suffering is when someone takes our parking spot in Walmart. And, uh, you know, we, we're just a people of comfort and ease in America. And these people come from the real deal where they're shooting at them and, and, and their friends are being killed. I mean, literally. And so we are blessed. We are very, very blessed. And, uh, but at the same time, America has its own problems. Uh, America is, is uh, uh, basically right now... Only uh, 17, I think the latest poll was 17% of Americans actually go to church on a regular basis. And we're considered a Christian nation. 17%. And, and so, you know, we've got a lot of, lot of uh, work to do as a body. Uh, and the thing is, is that I just want to encourage you that you never despise the day of small beginnings. Because the latter will always be greater than the former. When you think about the magnitude of what happened on the day of Pentecost with just 120 people. Uh, 2,000 years down the road, look how many millions upon millions have come into the kingdom because of that 120 foundation. And uh, there's some keys here in the book of Acts. I want to show you something about, here's, here's a number one key to a strong foundation. And it's, and it's, uh, it's really, you can look in Acts chapter 4, uh, this is after the they had been um, told not to preach the gospel no more. Don't preach about Jesus. And uh, so they went back to the church and they told them what had happened. They all lifted up their voice to pray. And then in verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. You know, I, I believe the Holy Spirit was listening to see if they would be the first church of the compromise. Are they going to come to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, they're picking on us and, and we're just not going to be able to talk about Jesus anymore. No, they said, Lord, just, just behold their threats, but grant us boldness to speak your word. And man, the Holy Spirit honored that. And, and anytime you see a shaking or an earthquake, most of the time it's God's manifested presence that just shakes things. But look what happened after it was done. Verse 32. Now the company of those who believe are of one heart and one soul. And the whole key to a solid foundation is unity. Oneness. You've got to have one heart and one mind to know what the mind of Christ is. And, and, and you've got to understand that Pastor Will and Tabana, as the father of the house, he, he, he brought the vision. And each of us then have to fit into that vision. What part do we play in it? And I've, uh, uh, from the very beginning when we started the Love Church, it was the Love Church went to the shepherd's house. 
The first year I did nothing but teach on love. Just taught love. It's all taught for a whole year. And, um, and I begin to tell them that in the Old Testament government, you had Moses and Aaron and Hur. Remember that they would lift his hands? Because if his hands fell, that the Israelites would be, uh, be getting beat. When he lifted his hands, they were winning. Their, his arms got tired, so it took Aaron and Hur to hold his arms up. That's Old Testament. That's not New Testament government. New Testament government is a body. Everyone in here. How many? Are you all born again? Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Then we're his body. We're members of his body individually. And uh, we're brothers and sisters. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. That means he's, he is our God. He's our Savior. He's, his, he's the Lord of Lord, King of Kings. He's the Lamb of God. But he's also our elder brother. And we're a family. We are literally God's family. We are brothers and sisters. And um, so we understand then that Jesus is the head of the church. That's us. The Holy Spirit's here to, to really run and orchestrate the church with gifts and callings and, and everything, anointings. But we're a, we are a body. And so I've told everybody at the shepherd's house from the very beginning and when new people come in, if God has called you here, then you're just as called as Pastor Will and Tavana. Because there's just one body. And, and I understand my position at the shepherd's house. I am the head under the head. I, I'm the under shepherd. But what we need is arms and legs and feet and we need the rest of the body functioning. And if you understand, if you understand the working of a local church, it's a it's a local body, but it has to have the members functioning. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, well, we were just spent spent some time with a precious couple of ours. And uh, this gentleman's in probably 60, late 50s. But when he was like 14 to 15 year old, he, he got bone cancer. And so his leg is amputated way up high. And, and um, you know, even though, I mean, it's amazing how he walks and does everything with the prosthesis. But you know what? It's not normal. He can't walk normally because you, you can watch him has to swing that leg and do different things. But our body was made to have two legs. Well, the body of Christ, what happens if you're laying the foundation here, um, we need everybody functioning. We need to understand that if, if the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, has said, this is where I want you to be, then you've got to figure out, all right, what am I? Am I a hand? Am I an elbow? Am I a shoulder? And what part of that body am I? Because it takes each one of us to make the body function. And, and we all know that, that this, when you see people in wheelchairs or with missing limbs or crippled in some way or another, um, that's not what God intended for a body to look like or to be. Well, the church, I'm going to tell you right now, the church has a lot of crippled parts. The church has a lot of Christians who don't know anything about their gifts and calling. And in and, and, and the day and age that we live in, people usually come to a local body uh, for what they're going to get out of it. Like all the time, you know, we get people calling us and they'll ask us, uh, do you have a nursery? Do you have a children's church? Do you have a youth group? 
Do you have a men's group? Do you have this? Do you have that? And so they're looking for something where they can come. But, you know, churches, church growth in America is exchanging furniture. When a new church comes along, uh, like up in the Metroplex, then, then uh, um, everybody from this church gravitates to that church. And, and uh, it's not really evangelistic growth the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. And the reason is Christians don't understand the principle where we are all members of Christ. We're all called. And when it comes to a local body, it takes, you know, what, what Will and Tavon, they don't need people lifting their hands. They need people to become the hands. People to become what part, do you, what part in the body is, God, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, called you to be by the Spirit. Because that's what makes the body function. And, and I think Will and Tavani will tell you when they came to the shepherd's house, I think one thing that impressed them was the unity that was there. And, and people were working like Walt, one of our elders, he also just watches over things. And when they came, Tavana was sitting out in the pickup with her, with her little dog. And Walt said, that's not going to happen. So he goes out there and has, makes, has Tavana come in the service. He takes the dog and he went around and visited the, the Sunday school with it. I mean, all the kids, they love that dog, man. I'm telling you what. And, and uh, so when we came, Walt said, well, make sure you tell my puppy hello. And so he didn't say anything about Will and Tavana. So. But, but, you know, uh, our, one of our slogans is we are a team. And together, everyone achieves more. Remember the Tower of Babel? They were all speaking the same language and everything. And, and the Lord was watching them and says, you know, nothing will be impossible to them because they're in unity. So he, went, he came down and confused the languages so that they couldn't be in unity anymore. Well, I believe Satan was watching that. So what, is, what has he done to the church? He's divided it. 43,000 denominations in the world. And, and one of the reasons is people don't understand that we are all members of the body of Christ and there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There is the five-fold ministry to equip the body for what? To do the work of the ministry. And the ultimate result of that is until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God, the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And, and that's what... Because we are the expression of the Lord to this world. And it doesn't matter, again, how small the foundation is. It matters how solid in unity is that foundation. Because that's what God wants to build upon. And, and the more there's, and when you're in unity, then God can build. And uh, we've got people in our church that's been with us, I don't know, 20, 25 years. Uh, just some of them from the very beginning are still with us. And, and the Lord has laid a real solid foundation. And the Lord spoke to me about people who was coming to the shepherd's house and... Uh, the Lord said, he says, you know, they think they're coming to examine what's going on there. He says, the Lord, the Holy Spirit said, I'm examining every heart that comes through these doors. And he said, if, if their heart doesn't fit here, they're not going to be able to stay. So I just leave it up to him. We do all that we can do. You know, we, we, we have some. Um, uh, Linda Hayes, one of our members, we have a, with new people that come in. She has a, 
Saturday night gathering at her house once a month and so, and, and they come in and get to, we do what we can do to try and welcome them and bring them in to be a part of the family. But the bottom line is, if the Lord hasn't called them there, they're not going to be able to stay. Because God's looking for a people, because I really believe we're a generation of revival. I believe we're on the doorstep of revival. And, and we're, we're um, worldwide. Right now, we're talking to the Egyptian pastor and, and his friend from Egypt. He said the Iranian church, underground, because you know, they're persecuted, has now become larger than the underground Chinese church. And God is, ex- you know, the, Holy, the Lord is exploding. And, and Muslim, this is Muslim country. Iran's Muslim, you know that. And Jesus is appearing in dreams to people at night. And, and then they go to the, then they find out in the word of God, that's who appeared to me. It's amazing what's going on throughout the world. So there is a revival moving, but it's coming to America. But God is looking, it says that the scripture says what? The eyes of the Lord, the spirit of God goes all over the world looking for hearts that are perfect towards him. Because God doesn't look at the outside, he looks on the inside. He knows our hearts because when he can find hearts perfect towards him, that word perfect there means friendly. Is the heart friendly towards God? We're, they'll, we're submitted to God. As a result of it, it says he can show himself strong. And, and uh, you got to always understand something. If, if the Holy Spirit hasn't called us together as a body here, then your labor is going to be in vain. But if the Holy Spirit is said to do this, and he said you're to be a part of this, then if you'll stay in love and unity, the Holy Spirit can show himself strong and do everything. He, he can reach people like you, you couldn't even believe it. He, he can do things that's beyond your wildest imagination. And uh, because he's got a plan and a purpose. And when I started out in the ministry, I, I just told the Holy Spirit, I said, if you don't have a plan, I'm not going to come up with one. So my position is, Holy Spirit, what is your plan? It's all about what is your plan? You look at Jesus our leader, our elder brother, who's, who were to follow his example when he was on earth, he said, I, you, know, you know, the Lord only made one decision. He said, not my will, Father, your will be done. After that, Jesus said, I'm nothing. I can do nothing on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. So his whole life was a life of intimacy with the Father, hearing what the Holy Spirit by the Father is saying to him, and obeying it. And of course he was full of the word of God. And um, I just really believe when Will and I have been praying and talking and, and about, about the church here, the grace and truth. Number one, I really believe it's the Lord. I believe it's the Holy Spirit of God. And I believe that whoever God has called here, then you've got to find out what part of the body you are. Because it takes a healthy body to function. So the foundation that's laid has to be a foundation of unity and love. It has to be a foundation where you're all of a one heart and one mind knowing that this is what the Lord has said. And we do a teaching called uh, about a bus that I, Dorothy and I, I, we're the drivers of the bus, all right? God knows where we're going, the Holy Spirit direction. He's given me the vision. So what everybody has to find out is, number one, are they called to be on the bus? And if they are, then what is their seat on the bus? 
What is their position? Where are they supposed to sit? And, and then once you find that out, do you like the person you're sitting by? Are, are, you, are you coveting someone else's uh, seat on the bus? But the whole thing is, is when you find your place, you go and, and uh, if, if I turn left, you turn with, left with me. You don't tell me to turn right. I know where I'm going. And, and, and when we get into unity, I have such strong elders around me that we get, and they're not yes men by any means, but we get the mind of Christ together. We say, Lord, what are you saying? How are we going to do this? Because we are the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just a church in, in the way that man thinks of a church. We are a unique part of his body that he wants to do something significant through. He just didn't come, not just putting you together just to be a little group. I'm telling you, he's putting you together for purpose. And part of purpose right now for the church is to be so free in truth and grace... That, that you can fulfill all that God wants to do. And listen, there's millions out there right now, right in the valley of decision. They're there. And, and uh, you know what attracted the... the uh, what caused evangelism? In, if you read the book of Acts, it was signs, wonders, and miracles. It was God in their midst. And, there, and the fear of the Lord was there. And they went forward in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They are of one heart. They are of one accord. You've got to have the presence of the Lord with you. Because His presence brings awe of who He is. And one of the things that's lacking in the body of Christ today is the genuine fear of the Lord. Where, where when, when you fear God... Let me show you what happens when you fear the Lord in Psalms 128. Because it's not the, the, the punishment, judging type of thing... It's, it's God with us. And when He's here, you stand in awe of Him. Like the song we sang tonight, we bow down. We worship the living King. But look what happens when you fear the Lord in Psalms 128.1. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You will be happy and it will be well with you. You know how I know when a church is experiencing the fear of the Lord, you have a whole bunch of happy, blessed people. You have a lot of people that are happy because happy are the people whose God is the Lord. Where the presence of the Lord is, there is what? Joy. And, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. The manifestation of the kingdom is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So when the Holy Spirit is present, there's going to be happy people. There's going to be people that are full of joy and there's going to be a people that are blessed so that we can be a blessing. And uh, our church, we, it is such a blessing. Over 85% of the members of our church tithe. The national average is somewhere around uh, 17 to 19%, somewhere around in there. of Christians going to church, full-time Christians, only just that's, that's less than 20% of them are tithers. That's a national average. So we beat that national average all to pieces. But the reason is, is because we lead by example. Dorothy and I are givers. All of our elders are givers. And, and we just show the people the blessings of the Lord. Psalm 65, 11, The Lord crowns your year with abundance. Uh, whatever He touches turns into a harvest. So we, we teach people there's seed time and harvest. 
You see seed, God sees harvest. When you plant a seed, God's already grown a harvest for it. And uh, when people learn that principle, you'll, you'll never, ever have any problem with finances. We are, we are so blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed. One of the things that I, I'm, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because a part of the foundation has to be the, the fear of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, which brings signs, wonders and miracles, which brings healing, which bring which brings people out of bondage to, to poverty or anything, because grace sets us free. And um, so. One of the marks that you're going to find if is if the fear of the Lord is working here is how happy are you? Because happiness, you know, I was raised in a church that the fear of the Lord was just God was up there just waiting to smash you. That was my when I was that was a church I was in teaching the fear of the Lord. He just waiting for Rich Van Winkle to step out of line. You know, he's he's got a lightning bolt with my name on it. You know what I'm saying? And I was raised in a church like that. And and God was this mean God up there, and he just you know, he's holy and righteous and you're a dirty worm and and uh that's not true at all. Our God loved us so much, He gave the best He had. He gave His Son. And any father in this place, if you're a father, if, if it took a, if you said, you take me or my, my son, you're going to say, you're going to take me. So God the Father did the hardest thing for a father to do. He sent His Son. That's how much He loves us. And uh, so now, Jesus, the firstborn among us, we are to be a happy people. We are to be a blessed people. We are to be a prosperous people, spirit, soul, and body. We should be in health and we should be uh, blessed and be able to be a blessing in every area of our life. And uh, the beautiful thing about this, though, when God can bring a, a group of people together of his own who will get into unity and love, the sky's the limit to what he can do. I mean, you know, one, one person in God's a majority. You understand that, don't you? If one person can get in agreement with God, that's a majority. One person named Moses got in agreement with God, and look what happened. One man named Abraham got in agreement with God, and look what happened. One man named Joseph got in agreement with God. And look, every, everything has been changed because one man or woman got in agreement with God. And just think about what a handful of people can do. One puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand to fight. And and it's all about are we going to be yoked up with Jesus? Literally, are we going to humble ourselves? Because see, grace, how does grace come? I know you've been taught this. Pride, what does God do with pride? He resists it. Pride is self. Self is always prideful. Self is about being selfish. And that's why when the Holy Spirit came, the first thing he did was crucify the old man. That was the first work of grace. The second work of grace was raising up a new man in his place. So now we're a new creation in Christ Jesus, but we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And the way you do that is by loving one another. By genuine laying your life down for one another. But... Grace, then, comes through what? Humility. Humble yourself so that God can raise you up. Now, I want to show you that something in 1 Peter, though. 
There's a measuring stick for love and there's a measuring stick for humility. There's a measuring stick for how much uh, uh, of the Word of God is spirit and life in you and not just a legalistic law. I'll show you. uh, It's real simple. If you want to know how much I love God, figure out how much I love you. If you want to know how humble I am to God before God, how humble am I before you? If I'm full of the word of God, which is spirit and truth. How do you know I'm really full of the, of the word of God is how much of that word comes to you in grace and mercy and love and not law. The measuring stick of our maturity in Christ is not this way, church. It's this way. It's measured this way. So it says this in, in uh, 1 Peter. He says like this in verse 5. He says, Likewise, you that are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you. Now watch this. With humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And, and in the context of this, what is he saying? He's giving grace to those that are humble towards one another. Then the next verse says, Now humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that in due season he might exalt you. Our job is to humble ourselves. His job is to exalt us. It's his job to give us grace. Do you see that? And grace only... See, humility is the soil that grace is planted in and grows out of. Humility is the soil that love is planted in and grows out of. Because you got humility and love and grace. They're, they're all really the same thing. They're, they're, they're all the, God is the God of humility. And when Jesus came to earth, he revealed the God of humility. And, and you notice in heaven, who do they worship the most in heaven? The Lamb of God. Am I right? Even though he's the king of kings, the lion of Judah. But when they start worshiping, who do they worship? The lamb of God who was slain before the founding. They worship the lamb, the humble one, the meek one. And yet he is the lion of Judah. He is the king of glory. He is the mighty captain of the army. But you know what? Where does true worship come to is to the humble one. And Jesus said, come and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. And what that means is, if I'm being conformed to the image of Christ, most Christians, a lot of Christians, let's put it that way, I don't know about most of them, but in the charismatic world, or where we found out that God does miracles today, they so emphasize the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God and healings and miracles, and those are all wonderful. That's all part of God. But I tell you what, God, if you start emphasizing the humble one and you become humble, there, there is no limit to the grace that can flow through you because when I become selfish God at that point has to resist my pride and and pride is based on self and contention comes only by pride or you could say it this way you only get in a fight because one of you is selfish or both of them are it's all based on self but thanks be to God self is crucified doesn't live anymore We have the opportunity to grow in grace so that more and more of Ishmael is separated from us so that we can live in the promise in Isaac, in the the life of the Spirit. Look at Philippians with me. 
Um, I want to I just try and keep this as simple as I can. Philippians chapter 2. Because it, it's, it's, it's really simple. Walk in love. Walk in humility. Walk in obedience. And, when, and walk in the word of God. And when you do that. You will be a team. Put together by the Holy Spirit. And every Christian, there are opportunities to have disagreements, misunderstandings, but it's what you do with those that determines the health of what's going to happen in the church. Um, Paul, uh, in Galatians, Peter and Barnabas was there eating with the Gentiles. Well, when the, the Judaizers from James came there, uh, Peter and Barnabas quit eating with the Gentiles. And Paul upbraided Peter to his face and says, what are you doing? You know, now you're being a hypocrite. I'm putting it in my own words, but this is what he said to Paul. Did you get saved by the law or by grace? And now these Judaizers come and now you're not, you won't eat with the Gentiles. What is wrong with you, Peter? Don't you understand that you're a hypocrite at this point? And, and the point I'm making is, is that there were, there, you know, Paul had to break, him and Peter kind of bumped heads over this, but I believe that Peter listened. Uh, Paul and Barnabas got in a big fight about John Mark, but you see later in Paul's writings, there was a reconciliation. So any healthy body, I'm just telling you, there may be those moments as you grow that there may not be a full understanding. Maybe you won't fully understand what Pastor Will's doing, but it's Okay. Go talk with him. Get it figured out together. But don't say, well, the bus turned left and I wanted to go right. I'm going to get off the bus and just go find a bus that goes the direction I want it to go. That's all self. When we walk in love, we lay our life down for the Lord and for one another. And uh, let me show you this in chapter 2 of Philippians. So, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any incentive of love, participation in the Spirit... Any affection and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Now, when we say of one mind, are we are we with one mind with will? Yes, as long as he's in one mind with Christ. Paul said, follow me as long as I'm following Christ. So here's the deal. Being of one mind is having the mind of Christ together. And how do you have that? You stay in love so that you're bound together by the Spirit. It's not a head knowledge. It's, it's your heart. It's what, what God is putting into you. But the whole condition here is love. Are you going to be in love? Being in one accord? God is, listen, God is looking for bodies that will be in unity with Him as a body. And, there's, and then he can, he can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever imagine. I'm telling you, the multitudes are out there. But it's going to take a unified body that God can entrust the multitudes to. That you will feed them grace and truth and not man's doctrines and traditions. God's breaking the mold of the local church. And He's bringing it back to look just like the book of Acts. The book of Acts is a pattern of the church. God's never changed it. Man did. So He's bringing us back to we're kind of like a final chapter. I don't know which chapter of the book of Acts we're in, but uh, we're, we're just a continuation of, of... And Acts is simply this. The Holy Spirit's in charge under Christ. And He has to have a body 
that's in unity with him and in unity with each other. You see that? It says this then. Do nothing from selfishness or conceit. But in humility, count others better than yourselves. Now, let me say something about this. This doesn't mean you have an infer, inferiority complex. What it means is you consider others before you consider yourself. You consider them better than yourself. Think about, well, we'll look at Jesus here in a minute. Then it says, Let each of you look not only in his own interests, but also at the interests of others. What, what is uh, uh, someone else interested in? Because we have a tendency, you get around certain people, and all they talk about is what they're interested in. Anybody been around people like that? And you never even had a chance to tell them what you were interested in. Because they were too interested in what they're interested in. They wanted you to know. But when, when you are saying, you know what, I want to be interested in what they're interested in. We were at a marriage conference one time, and I think it was, I forget which one of the guys it was, one of the, the family teachers, you know, does. But he was teaching on these verses, and he said, now, husband and wife, you know, figure out what your mate is interested in. And, and you get interested in it, too. So this couple went home, and the wife, her husband's a hunter. And that has always been a contention with them. So she said, you know what, honey? It's what we learned this weekend. I want, I want to learn how to hunt. And, and he said, really? He said, yeah. So he went and bought her a rifle, taught her how to shoot it, trained her how to shoot it, talked her all about hunting, and then got her a hunting license, a deer license, and, and they went out hunting. And the husband's sitting there in the tree, and he hears two or three rifle shots. So he gets down and goes in the direction where he heard these shots, and he got closer, and he heard, he heard a woman, which he recognized it was his wife's voice, and a man were arguing. And the closer he got, he finally heard the man say, Okay, lady, okay, you can have your deer. Let me take the saddle off first. <laughs> that didn't really happen, but you know. But it is important for us to consider one another. What is important to, to, to another brother or sister in the church? Because we've got to consider them before we consider ourselves. Because listen to this. If you consider yourself first, you won't consider others. Only in relationship to if you benefit from it. Because see, self is always self-energized. Whereas when we're dead to self, my true interest is in others. Why? Because I'm interested in them. I want to bless them. It's, it's not about me. And when, when God can find a people that will, will, will go this direction, that, listen... Oh, my goodness. I mean, look what he did with, with, with a man named Moses that agreed with him, a man named Abraham, David. I mean, the list, Paul, John Wesley, you know, you just go on and on and on. Esther, a woman, one person, man or woman that could get in agreement with God. It's, it's limitless to what God can do. The only one that can limit God in this room is you yourself. Devil's works have been destroyed. And the only access he has into your life is if you believe a lie. If, and, and, and if you act in self, because he can, he can really get in there and mess with your flesh. 
But if you understand something, you're dead. The new man's alive unto God in Christ Jesus. And God wants to lay this foundation here. This is really put on my heart to, 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 to let you don't be discouraged with the day of small beginnings. And, and don't be, you know, do all things without what? Grumbling and complaining. Because if we, if we will do this, then, then it says this. This is a command. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Like King James says, have this mind among you. Another translation says, think the way Jesus thinks. How did he think? In humility. He's talking about the mind of humility here. And look what Jesus did. He emptied himself of equality with God. That's one thing. But then he was found in human flesh. And, and there's no way that our minds can comprehend the magnitude of who he was as the son of God. And losing and not losing it, but giving all that up. And coming and, and being like us. I mean, that's just, you, you know, unless the Holy Spirit revealed to you, you can't, you can't comprehend that. But that's what he did. And it, but it still wasn't enough. It says, then he became obedient unto death. In other words, to die like, in other words, he's going to die someday. But that wasn't enough either. Then it says he gave himself unto death. What kind of death? Death on the cross. Therefore... God has highly exalted him. Jesus could not have stopped at any one of those levels. He could have just became flesh and stopped there. It wouldn't have been enough. He could have become obedient to death and just died as an old man. That wouldn't have been enough. He had to die on the cross. He had to become sin so that we could be made righteous. He, could, he had to crucify sin in the flesh so that you and I could be free and become his righteousness. And when he fulfilled the depth of humility, then God exalted him. And we read a while ago, and it says that uh, when we humble ourselves in due season, God will exalt us. And you're the, and you're the face that's being exalted. It, it's Christ, but you got to understand that humility is recognizing. You know what really being humble is? Just believing everything God says, and not not be afraid to say it. You know, people go around all the time. They say, well, brother, that was, you know, the Lord, that was really good. You know, you did something for him. You give him some money. To, well, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. That's not humility. That is not humility. Humility is saying, thank you. Thank you for saying that. That's a, that is my blessing to do that. But thank you. You know why? Because obviously it's not me, but it is me. The real you is made in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we're supposed to be more and more of a reflection of him. We're supposed to be more and more like him and reveal him. He's going to be revealed through you. So when, when, when your due season comes, as God's exalting you, it's you that people's going to see. But it's, it's beyond that. They're going to see Christ in you. And a lot of people, when they, they don't understand humility, and, and um, whereas humility is a dead man, now alive totally under Christ. 
totally his, becoming more and more like him. And, and that's the whole goal of humility. There are depths of humility. And, and where it comes is how much do you surrender the old man? Because remember when God, uh, I did a whole teaching on Ishmael and, and, and Isaac and Dorothy. She said, that's one of the best ones I've done. So I may have to do some more about that. But basically it was this. Abraham got impatient. Impatience always produces an Ishmael. Impatience will always produce a work of the flesh. And so here comes Ishmael. When it came time for, for Ishmael to be separated from Isaac, Abraham said, oh God, that, that, that Ishmael would live in your sight. And God said, no. So here's the point. All of us have Ishmaels that we're fondly attached to. It can be a habit, it can be a person, it can be yourself, it can be whatever, uh, money, uh, it can be, I mean, the, the list is endless. But I guarantee you what happens in growth, individually and as a body, is that you're going to bump into some Ishmaels once in a while. So, here's the point, are you going to humble yourself and let Ishmael go and grab a hold of Isaac? Are you going to hang on to Ishmael? And when you hang on to self, that's where you stop growing in the spirit. That's where you grieve the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. He has one job to do. To conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 29. For this, you know, why were you called? You were predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son of God. That's your destiny. That's your high calling. That's who you are. And so when you realize that, when you run into some Ishmael, the old man that's dead, but you know he still has some residue there in the way you think or the way you act, he wants to possess you spirit, soul, and body. I'm doing a series now on righteousness, spirit, soul, and body. He loves your body as much as your spirit. He made the whole package. In fact, redemption won't be complete till we have a resurrected body. And so we have to learn how to put grace from our spirit into our soul, into our body, so that we don't, in any area, we don't allow our flesh to rule us. And then Dorothy brought this up one time when, when Abraham said to offer up Isaac. He said, take your son, your only son. He never acknowledged Ishmael. See, God will never acknowledge your flesh. Your flesh can't get its way with God. And it'll try. Because flesh likes recognition. But you have to say no. So as you grow in grace, expect to run into yourself once in a while. And then, when you understand grace, it's not God's not there to condemn you. God is there to show you what, what He wants to get rid of and put Christ in His place. And when you have such a love relationship with the Lord, you begin to understand what he's doing in your life. And so I want to encourage you as a, as a body. You must humble yourself before God. Number one, did the Lord call you here? If he did, then you have to know, Lord, what part am I to be of this body? You're not the head of it. Christ is the head, but the head of this local body is Pastor Will and Tavana. They're the head.
And, and so, you know, you have to know, has God called you here? Are you a part of to make the vision of the house complete? What part of the puzzle? What part of the body are you? Because the end result is this, and I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll quit here. In um, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, uh, it talks about the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and, and what are the end results of it. Well, here's the end results in chapter 4. In um, verse 14, it says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we grow up in every way into him who is ahead, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined with which it is supplied, when each part is working properly, makes bodily growth and it builds itself in love. So the purpose of the church is twofold. To build yourself in love and then evangelize. Come and then go. Live in the presence of God. But if you notice, it's a simple formula. If this hand, if my left hand was crippled like this, my body's not complete. It's not able to upbuild the rest of the body like it's supposed to. So in a local body, when you determine, number one, Lord, we're here because you sent us. We're just as called as Pastor Will. We're just we're part of the body. He's the head. I want to know what part I am. Once you know that, then your job has to be to humble yourself and live in love and live in grace and live in truth so that this body can begin to build itself in love. And I guarantee you, I don't care how small you are if you let this kind of foundation be laid you have laid a place where God can entrust his glory he can entrust himself there he can he can do a work there knowing that somewhere down the road it's not going to fall apart because half the foundation steals the other half and a good healthy fear of the Lord won't let that happen amen amen so I just want to encourage you because I, I know Will, I know what's happened with some of you and, and with this other church situation. And, and, um, but it, it won't happen here if you'll do what I've just said. Just stay in love and humble yourselves. I know Shane and them are visiting, but are, are you guys a part of the church? Are you guys, are you all a part of the church here? Then even the young guys, I want to tell you something, young men. We're on the verge of revival and God's going to use young people in a, most, in a powerful, powerful way. And just that you're sitting here tonight is really a blessing. Because stay hungry for God. Don't get hungry for the world. The world will destroy you. But God has a purpose for young people in these days. And, and He's looking for young soldiers that are not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm telling you, there's great works that God wants to do in you if you'll let Him do it. And uh, not to be timid or fearful. But I, I want to encourage you, if God has called you here... And you, you all know that God's called you here. You believe the Holy Spirit's called you here. Then do what the Word of God says. Humble yourselves. Start walking together in love. Start knowing that, that you're a vital part and find out what part you are. Because, see, you don't answer to will for that. You answer to God. And this is what the body of Christ doesn't understand yet. I have people come up to me all the time and, and you know, it's like, well, Pastor, I just, well, that's not between you and me. Has the Lord said it? 
Well, yes. Now then, my job is to help you do it. I'm here to equip you. And then I've always had those people that come up with a great idea. And I say, great, why don't you do it? Oh, well. You know. They usually leave the church. And I'll tell you what's happening. If you're a hand. And you come into a church and you don't see a hand. You have two choices. If you're carnal and selfish, you'll leave because, by God, there's just no hand there. There's just no children's church there. Well, when the Lord says, you know, you're the hand. The reason you recognize there's no hand is because I sent you there to be the hand. And, and because, see, that's a gifting that's in you. Remember when Moses killed the Egyptian? He's, he's, he already had an awareness he's going to be their deliverer. And he said that he thought they would understand that God said, but see, he did it in his flesh. And a lot of Christians, when they come in, they don't understand as if they're carnal. And they'll come in and the first thing they're going to recognize is the part of the body that they're supposed to be if it's not there. And if they're carnal, they'll leave. If they understand that God has sent them there to be the hand, then they pull alongside, they come, they join, and they, they love the, the body. And that they, they let, let the elders and the pastor know who they are and then help them to grow into that position. That's good, isn't it? Yes. Praise God. See, Will came and Savannah laid their life down before the Lord. They came as the father in the house. They know what they've been called to do. But we need the rest of the body to function. Because we have another slogan in our church, without you, we're not complete. Because we're not. The body of Christ, my body is not complete unless all the parts are there and working. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray over you. Let me release something to you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, I, I pray right now that you release this spirit of unity upon this body. It doesn't, don't let them see themselves as small and insignificant. Lord, open the eyes of their understanding. Let them see themselves as those who have been called together for a time of this, as a plan, as a purpose. Show them clearly their giftings and callings. And Father, I pray that they will so be moved by the Spirit of the Lord God. That they'll really, by grace, understand who they are. What part of this body they're supposed to be. I pray that you increase their vision even more. Increase even more showing them what you want. That they might have one mind, the mind of Christ together. And be in unity with it. And Will, I just heard, when I said that, I heard the Lord say, I'm getting ready to expand you on the inside. There's an expansion coming into your heart by the Spirit. And... and uh, um, it's, it's, it's kind of like your thinker is going to get turned off. And, and the spiritual imagination is going, to, is going to go wild. It's absolutely going to go off the charts. So that your brain, you can't even comprehend it with your understanding. And, but what you're going to do is, I'm telling you, fresh, bold revelation is coming to you. Because God has a work to do in this area. And, uh, and it wasn't by happenstance that, 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 that you got brought on as a, as a regional advocate for Army. I mean, that's the Lord. And, and I know he put that in my heart, but I'm telling you, there's, there's an expansion here. 
That, that's, that's just, it's going to blow your mind. And so you, you just be paired with it. And, and, uh, and I really believe, brother, I've been walking, look at you. There's, there's an expansion coming in you too. There's, an, there's going to be a greater awareness of, that you have a plan and purpose in this. And, and you're not just, uh, uh, I think, just going along with your wife or just doing what she wants to do. No, there's a great part for you to do. And I believe that I can see you as being, I mean, I, I can already see you, but I'm not going to say what it is. But it's very powerful, and this, con- and this church needs you. And, and uh, you're, you're going to be a vital part of what God is doing here. And so there's, there's kind of like, I hear that, like, step up the plate more. You're not going to strike out. You're going to be able to hit the ball. Because it's his strength, not yours. And, and uh, so you two are a great team together. I, th- I really believe you're going to be just blessing ladies. And there, there's something special about you, you two as a team, and, and working together. And, and Brother John, is that, man, that worship is great, brother. And there's a humble spirit. As long as you stay humble, God's even going to do greater things than what you guys can imagine. So stay strong in the Lord. Stay strong, and, and uh, all of you, God has a great work for you to do. So, amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Pastor Will. Praise God. Praise God. Give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.